today we are going to be talking all about everyone's favorite recent Calgary Flames acquisition. Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Lockdown Flames. As always, I'm your host, Jess Belmosto, and today I am joined by Nick Zeraris. Nick, how are you doing? Pretty good. We are getting into the stretch run. Not quite the stretch run, but we're getting we're getting close to the halfway point of the hockey season. Hard to believe we're already here. But today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NHL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Today we are going to be talking all about uh, Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Weger because woke up this morning thinking all about how not good things are in Calgary and how it's been probably close to 100 games at this point and we are still not getting any real flashes of the Jonathan Huberto we thought we were acquiring. But before we do that, make sure you're subscribed to Lockdown Flames wherever you get your podcasts and of course on YouTube as well. We're here for you every day. Underperforming. That seems to be the common theme with the Flames. So we base our idea of underperformance on two things, previous performance and what you're getting paid. If you're not getting paid a lot and you're underperforming based on what you've previously done, you're granted a little bit more leeway. You're given a little bit more of a, okay, they're not performing well, but they're also not making a ton of money. So you're more inclined to give that person the benefit of the doubt, whatever. And then there's the, you know... <clears throat> underperforming and you're paid a lot type of guy which the flames have a couple and there's also the argument which is something we're going to talk about a little bit later on of just what are you paying for and you know when you're trying to buy a player as opposed to their production that's where you can start to get into issues and you, you when you buy at certain times but there's a lot of abstract concepts that go into this conversation but yeah when you when you are paying to the cap ceiling like the flames are you are paying individual players you know eight, nine, ten million dollars per year, there's a certain level of expectation that comes along with that price. And I think that that's why it is so easily or easy to criticize players that are making that kind of money, especially like you said, if you aren't meeting that former expectation or the former numbers, why wouldn't anyone kind of scratch their head there? And, you know, four or five games into the season, you're you're not getting, you know, 15 points off the bat. We've been doing this for almost 30 games now. There's a larger sample size, and it's fair to criticize Huberto. And the tables kind of turned with Kadri producing a lot more consistently, as opposed to where he was at the start of the season. We're just, we're not seeing it with Huberto at all. And even, even Kadri, what you're paying him, I mean, he's pacing the team in points right now, but he's still only on pace for like 55. I mean... If you're paying, you know, seven and a half, eight million dollars a year for somebody, you want that number, you want those points to be upwards of 70. Yeah. I know I dropped the number last week when I was on the show of about a million dollars for every 10 points. If somebody scores more goals than they do pass two assists, you do one and a half for every one and a half million for every 10 goals and then one million for every 10 assists. But to to think about it abstractly, 
the Flames bought themselves into trouble, basically. They bought players at the top of their market. They bought players, and we're going to talk about specifically Huberto and Uyghur in a second, but <clears throat> they bought players at the top of their market. Matthew Kachuk has not reached the peak of his market value yet. He's not reached his peak value yet. What we understand about the way age curves work in hockey, for the most part, when I say these things I'm about to say, for the most part, a player's peak value is ages 22 to 25 because that is when they make the least amount of money in relation to their statistical production, and that's because of the way free agency is set up in hockey. You are a free agent when you reach 26 years old or you've been in the league eight years. Whichever one happens first, that is when you become eligible for free agency. So when you turn 22, 23, that's typically the end of your entry-level contract. That is typically the maximum value you are going to provide for your team. Not production, value, because you're going to typically get one of those bridge deals. That's three or four years, six, seven million. And in relation to what you're going to give them statistically, that is the best value you are going to get. For the most part, these big contracts at the upper end of the spectrum, aside from McDavid, aside from Dreisaitl, from aside from the guys who put up the elite counting stats, most yeah. people will be disappointed if they just go on counting stats versus versus what they get paid. For the most part, you are going to be disappointed if you track based on counting stats, which is why we talk about things like value, which is your, more into your underlying stuff, what you do in transition, what you do in def defensively. If you're really good at the penalty kill, if you're a really good shooter and you're, you're better on the power play, there are things you can do to maximize that value. And that even if you don't put up the most count, the best counting stats, you can still be valuable at your cap hit if you're expensive. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I don't think that, you know, Chris Tanev is necessarily overly expensive, but there are people who do, Leafs fans. And why wouldn't, yes, okay, sure, he doesn't put up a lot of counting stats. He's a defenseman, whatever. But he has been such an integral part of the Flames penalty kill and really defense as a whole where you are getting the most out of every dollar spent there. I agree with you. The one caveat I would add to that is you don't want to pay for defense unless you're getting one of the guys who puts up points as well. If you if you have Amiro Heiskanen, Quinn Hughes, <laughs> McCarr, Adam Fox, Charlie McAvoy, Hampus Lindholm, if you, Dougie Hamilton, if you have one of those guys, you can pay top of the market free agency value. You can pay them eight, nine, ten million dollars a year and be okay with that. For the most part, if you're paying a lot defensemen in the neighborhood of four, five, six million, you can live with that if they're only going to give you 30 to 40 points. And I know there's we've had the conversation more than once about you got to play enough ice time, and that includes power play time to really put up the requisite counting stats to get the maximum value from those type of guys. There's a middle ground. And one last thing on this subject of just maximizing value. We said maximum value is 22 to 25. Your, your peak statistical production is typically 26 to 30. That is also typically when we see a player's ice time peak. A player's ice time typically peaks their usage in their mid late 20s to early 30s when they have garnered enough reputation and status that if they change teams in free agency, they get a bigger role or they've stayed with their own team long enough to be uh, an important piece. They're typically playing first line. They're playing power play. In some cases, they're power play and penalty kill and first line. So that's where you're going to see <clears> – <throat> 
the maximum production, the most counting stats. Typically speaking, of course, you know, you have your your freaks of nature like Connor McDavid, who been putting up the most counting stats since they were, you know, 20 years old. But for the most part, our general rule of thumb is you're going to get your most counting stats from guys in their late 20s. You're going to get your most value from guys in their early 20s. And that's kind of that kind of sets the table for the Flames issues that we're going to talk about in a second. And that uh, that does it for the first part of the show here. Uh, we are going to take a quick break and come back to you with some talk about, uh, you know, this whole the pieces of this trade that brought Huberto and Uyghur to Calgary. But before we do that, I want to tell you about game time. If you are looking for the perfect gift for the sports fan in your life, look no further. Grab two tickets or however many tickets you need for uh, their favorite sporting event with game time. You can use code locked on NHL for $20 off your first purchase. And with game time, you can see the view from your seats in any arena. It is one of my favorite features about the app because I'm just not, I'm not good at deciding. So, you know, to have that visual help me decide is a little bit better. Nick, are you going to any games this holiday season? Uh, I'm going to Ranger uh, Devils Oilers next Thursday, the 21st. So that'll be fun. That will be fun. And you can grab yourself a pair of tickets at uh, gametime.co and download the app today and use code locked on NHL for $20 off your first purchase. Uh, terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L O C K E D. O-N-N-H-L for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Thank you everyone for hanging out with us on today's episode of Locked on Flames. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. We just established your your peak value is your early 20s. Your peak production is your late 20s. Mm -hmm. When the Flames acquired Uyghur and Huberdeau, they were both 28 years old. Or 27 years old, and they're turned 28 this year. So we're we're talking about peak statistical production. It is not a coincidence that Panthers team two years ago that was very very good that won the President's Trophy that these two guys had their best statistical output of their respective careers at 28 years old. So we've got situational factors where the team is a little bit better than it's been in recent years. Two players who play key roles on that team playing bigger roles on a more successful team, more successful team, better counting stats. All of that could shock 21 years old into 22 years old that season, 100 plus points, unrestricted, uh, restricted free agent, four years of team control remaining right there. Face value. You can tell that these are two teams going in opposite directions just based on what you're getting ahead. When you we talk about locking players up early, we are talking about buying those good years of production. That's why teams like the Panthers gave Matthew Kachuk that long-term extension at 24 years old because they're buying his 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, as opposed to what the Flames did, where they're going to buy the 28, 29, 30, 31 to 36 of the two players they acquired. That's not to say you won't get good years on those contracts for the guys who are in their late 20s and early 30s, but you are going to get more value from some acquiring somebody through their early 20s and mid 20s because they still have room to improve by the point somebody's 28 years old more likely than not that is more or less who they are and sometimes in the case of somebody like kachuk it's getting to a better environment something that suits your skill set a little bit more and he's putting up close to a point per game he put up a decent counting stat season last year but 
the environments are kind of what's different. Huberto put up 115 points two years ago because he was on a team that played at one of the fastest tempos in the entire league that had multiple players carry, capable of carrying the puck through the neutral zone and creating transition plays, creating off the rush, and creating at a lot higher volume than the way the Flames play. Now, there's not to say it isn't on the player to be able to adapt their skill set, but a lot of teams are just ignorant of what makes players successful acquire said player, and put no mind into what had previously made them successful. I didn't think Huberto was ever going to flirt with 100 points again when he got to Calgary. I also thought he would put up more than 45, 50 points in a season. I, I think there was a middle ground in there somewhere where he flirts in that 70 to 80 point range, power play, plays first line left wing, and he has a good complimentary piece to play with, somebody like Lindholm. But it's very apparent that Huberto's skill set just is not conducive to the way the Flames play. And it's why his counting stats have taken such a nosedive. Yeah, it, and that's a very tough pill to swallow, considering this is the first year. 30 games that, into it, an eight-year contract. That's, that's not good. And no. he is 30 years old now. That's, you know, there's a reason why you typically don't sign players that old to such big money and basically buyout, impossible buyout contracts. I think that that was a huge risk by Tree Living. And part of me wonders if he was just kind of like, this is going to be somebody else's problem. I don't care. I'll do it. That's part of what we can talk about in the last segment, the idea of what are you trying to acquire? The thing that sticks out to me is I don't, un I understood the vision abstractly. We are sure. going to replace one superstar player with three, because I'm including Kadri in that calculus, good players, not elite, not special, Three good players, in theory, should be more valuable than one elite player. The issue you get into is, A, you're distributing... It's not like Matthew Kachuk is making, you know, the $20 million that all three of those guys combined would be making. Mm -hmm. He's only making $9.5 million. Him, in comparison to just Huberto alone, you are losing on value. Then you add Uyghur, you add Kadri. And that's not to say those aren't useful, effective hockey players. But purely from a value standpoint, you are going to struggle to make those guys value match with their contracts based on the type of style you play and just the, the related age decline. kadri has got a lot of miles on him. Uyghur has got a lot of miles on him. Huberto has a lot of miles on him. And it just... It's not to say you can't be successful acquiring older players, but it does make it more difficult and it shortens the opportunities you have to be successful. There's a world where <clears throat> the Flames could have tried to drive a really hard bargain where they really could have said, all right, you don't want to sign long-term. That's fine with us. We'll play through. We'll see how this next year goes. You can sit out the year like some guys have done as a restricted free agent. And they really could have put it on Matthew Kachuk, but they, they did the diplomatic thing because they felt the team would be okay without Kachuk. Part of that is also me thinking they thought they would at least keep Goudreau if they couldn't keep Kachuk, which is the other part of the calculus we haven't really addressed yet. But that one doesn't feel as bad because Johnny Goudreau hasn't performed as well in Columbus. Now, that's not to say he would have performed this way if he had stayed in Calgary, but it does make it a little bit easier that he hasn't performed as well in Columbus. Definitely. And it kills me to see him not doing well and everyone using his quote, oh, I came to Columbus to win uh, from his press conference against him. I mean, that's a pretty standard generic quote that is more than likely going to come back and bite anyone 
But, uh, you know, tough look for Johnny there. I am very pleased with Uyghur's performance out of all, all of these guys. Oh, for and sure. We Uyghur has been the best of the three players since he got to Calgary. It took him a little while to settle in last year. He is you he is on occasion playing on his offside or playing with a right-handed defenseman in Tanev who is playing on their offside. So that's something to get acclimated to. He went from playing with Aaron Ekblad in Florida to playing with, you know, Chris Tanev. And that's not to say Chris Tanev isn't good, but he's not Aaron Ekblad. No. Two entirely different players that just different ends of the spectrum there. Yeah, no, and it's always going to be hard to get people to be comfortable with paying for defense-first defensemen because they don't put up the counting stats. And like I just said, unless you are one of those guys who puts up the counting stats because you're also quarterback of power play, you have good offensive instincts, it's going to be hard to plead your case. We can't. Re- it's hard to quantify defense. It's hard to put a value on defense beyond the surface-level goals against, goals for if you're a little more nuanced, you can look into, you know, chances against expected goals against where we can talk about, are you suppressing chances against you? Meaning if you're on the ice, is your team creating more offense than the other team? Then we can get into a conversation. And that's really where Uyghur is good. Uyghur is good at suppressing offense where the other team might have the puck, but they are not creating particularly dangerous scoring chances. And he's pretty good at getting the puck from defense to offense. He has okay puck skills where he's not a liability once he actually makes a good defensive play. But Uyghur's definitely been the best of the three since he got to Calgary, for sure. That's not even a question in my mind between him, Huberto, and Kadri. And I don't want to say that that's unexpected because I feel like that's selling his game short. And most people knew that Huberto was never going to get anywhere close to 115 points, if not even 100 points. So you just have to manage those expectations. And I don't think anyone expected Kadri to repeat the uh, point-per-game season that he had had with Colorado either. No. No, that again, that's environment. You went from playing on a Stanley Cup team where you occasionally got to play with Miko or with McKinnon or Landeskog. You had better supporting talent. And that's part of what we're going to get into in a minute about what are you buying when you buy a player? Because it, it's very apparent the Flames bought these players without a real indication of what they were going to be able to do with them. They just got them because they're good hockey players. They would be able to figure it out. Yes, uh, I definitely encourage everyone, if you haven't already, to go listen to yesterday's episode, um, the NHL Won't Wait for the Flames, because that was, it puts a lot into perspective in case you're really wondering what is going on with the Flames and why they can't beat two good teams on back-to-back. But before we do that, we are going to take a quick break here, and I'm going to talk to you about Sleeper. A new NHL season brings all sorts of possibilities. Your favorite player could score 50 goals or the Flames maybe could hoist the Stanley Cup. And you could win big by playing daily fantasy hockey on Sleeper, the official daily fantasy app of the NHL Locked on NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for daily fantasy sports and especially daily fantasy hockey because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests. To win 100 times bet on Sleeper, you need to correctly predict outcomes of eight player stats. You can win 100 times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with Sleeper. So start paying attention and nail your picks so you can start winning big. 
Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-H-L. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. Thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us on today's episode of Locked On Flames as we talk all about this predicament that the Flames cannot climb out of for a very long time. No, you definitely can't. These two contracts are more, when I say two, I mean Kadri and Huberto, immovable, mm-hmm. more or less effectively immovable, not feasible to move in any, any way at all. When you're talking about this type of money in this type of cap environment where there just aren't a lot of teams that can eat that much money, that's really the big issue. Like aside from the fact that there are trade protections and landing spots, but yeah, I mean, Huberto can't be moved. He has a full no move till 2029, 2030. And Kadri has a no move clause till 2026, 2027. And then it's 13 teams. We're talking four or five years down the road when both of these guys are going to be, you know, 34, 35 years old, where the value for any team wouldn't be there. And even if it was, the Flames are going to have to eat half of that contract to make it viable for them. And you're going to pay Jonathan Huberto $5 million to play on someone else's team. And that just, that type of stuff doesn't happen in hockey because the cap is, situation is so much different. In baseball, stuff like that happens where teams will pay a guy to play for another team just to get rid of them. In hockey, there is not enough cap space to get rid of guys. There, it, It's very rare. That's why you saw so much shock when the Wild bought out both Suter and Parisi in the same summer because stuff like that just doesn't happen where really expensive players get bought out. Teams would rather have the guy stink on the team and be overpaid than pay them to play for another team. That's really the issue there. And it, it gets to the big point. Uh, and I, I describe this as grocery shopping hungry. And that's what the Flames were. That's what the Flames were when they realized, oh, we're going to lose two really good players. We're going to lose two of the 20, 25 best players in the entire league. Okay. But the rest of our team is still pretty good. So we can't just we can't just write it off. We can't just phone it in. We need to be aggressive. We need to try and maintain our team best we can. And even if that means getting four or five players to try and replace the production of three or two, excuse me, we're going to find a way to try and make that work. And the Flames very quickly realized, oh, you have to overpay to get any player on your team. That That's the undercurrent out of all of this is that anytime you acquire a player through free agency or a sign and trade, you are going to have to give them more than they are worth. Just flat out. I always call it the free agency tax. You're going to have to pay them at least a million and a half to $2 million more than what they're actually worth production-wise just to get them on your team. And it's why so many free agent contracts don't, don't just don't age well. I mean, I pulled up what this is. This is Evolving Wild. So Evolving Wild tries to distill it out to like a specific individual player. They try to discern out war into how much that's worth cap-wise. So let contextually, Kachuk's 21-22 on the Flames in their model is worth $18 million, what he put up on the Flames two years ago. You compare that to Huberto two years ago, which was $11 million, and Uyghur two years ago, which was $8 million. Okay, value-wise, it's relatively comparable in terms of production based on what they each did two years ago. 
the issue is when you look at it from the what's happened since where mm-hmm. Kachuk went up to $24 million in value based on how he played last year. Last year, Huberto was worth about five and a half million. And last year, Mackenzie Weger was worth 10 million. Mackenzie Weger was the most valuable player of the three that the Flames acquired last year. It's really hard to win when your best players are defensemen. That is not a coincidence. You need to have one of those dominate those forwards that are capable of making the game work for them. I, I talked about this yesterday, the idea that if your margin for error is 18 skaters all playing a perfect game every single night because you don't have one superstar player uh-huh. capable of making a specific play, you just don't have a lot of room. You do not have a lot of room for mistakes. And we have seen that continuously where the Flames are not a bad team, but they don't have a lot of room for error just because of the talent they have. They don't have an eraser. They don't have somebody who can take a game over and improve the game state for them. They have to rely on a group effort. And when you need everybody playing perfectly, it doesn't leave you a lot of room. No. And I guess this is the next question. Do they, is there a world where they're able to bring someone in? I mean, it's not going to be another $11 million player. I think that that's fairly obvious, but is there a way for them to even acquire someone to compliment Huberto? I mean, in an ideal world, yeah, that's what you would turn Lindholm or Hannafin into, a roster player who can give Huberto what he needs. Now, you're probably, there are very few players in the world that are good enough that they can elevate other players. That's just, you know, that's what makes good players good, is they're they're not only good themselves, it's that when they're on the ice, they make who they're playing with better. When you want to maximize somebody's skill set, you need to give them complementary pieces. The Flames have 10 guys with the same skill set, so it's really hard for guys like Huberto who need somebody who's a little bit faster, who can recover loose pucks and make them make the game a little bit easier to come to him as a playmaker. They don't have a shooter for him to play with to rip shots. They don't have somebody who's good at skating the puck through traffic in the neutral zone and getting to offense. Those are really, you know, those are those are specialized skill sets. There aren't a lot of 30, 35 goal guys in the league, and there aren't a lot of elite transition forwards. That's the conundrum. There are not enough good players to distribute amongst the 32 teams in the league. And when you have a player like Huberto, who is talented, but needs certain types of complementary skill sets to really mm-hmm. maximize what he's good at, you're kind of boxed in where if you don't have one of those guys, you're just kind of stuck. Yeah. And I part of me thinks again that. They were still on the high of that playoff uh, run that they had, beating Dallas in seven, and then, I mean, obviously losing to Edmonton. But you you are hoping to recreate that and to at least give this team something or for them to give you some sort of success. And that's why they were so aggressive in the approach. But at the end of the day, it's just like tying cinder blocks to their ankles and throwing them in the lake and say, Hey, start swimming. They're in a real, there is no solution here. They are getting bailed out because the team isn't playing particularly well and Mm -hmm. it will force their hand into trading the expiring players. And hopefully they gear it towards future assets as opposed to trying to get keep the team as as is which is kind of what got them further into this position to begin with where if you would open this up and i understand kachuk was only going to sign an extension with certain teams you could have asked for stuff that would have fit 
you know, two or three years from now, as opposed to right now, which is kind of the issue. They wanted to keep the team they had two years ago. They lost the two best players from that team. They brought in three players who are all good, but the three of them combined aren't the players that Gaudreau was two years ago or the player Kachuk is right now or two years ago or even last year. So they've really kind of they they are tr they have tried their best and i will say it took it took some guts to try and do something as opposed to just doing the one year thing and then trading kachuk at the end of that year as an unrestricted free agent but at some point there needed to be an adult in the room to kind of just say it's not there i don't have the cards you you can bluff your way at the table but if you got a pair of threes you're probably not winning the hand no and that feels like a perfect way to wrap up today's show because that's that's where the flames are at and there is no way to uh crawl out of this unless they want to retool and rebuild which is just they they're not showing any uh willingness to do so thank you all for tuning in to today's episode of locked on flames make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. You can follow me on Twitter at Jess Belmosto and Nick at Nick Zararis. Nick, do you have any parting words for us today? I'm going to go drink some water and take a nap. That's a good plan.